passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome back, everyone, to Post Wrestling. It's John Pollock here with you. It's a very busy weekend coming up, highlighted by Triple Mania happening from Mexico City, and I thought it was a great excuse to have one of the uh, top experts, I believe, in Lucha Libre, a mover and shaker in the world of professional wrestling. You know all of his fine work from high spots and one of the men, I think, integral to the Toronto wrestling scene. Rob Bahari is joining us. Rob, how are you doing today? How do you like that intro? Uh, that was an amazing. I didn't even know you were introing me with that description. <laughs> well, it's. Uh, I thought this would be a great time to have you on because, uh, of course, with, with Triple Mania coming up, I think that there's a lot of focus on this Triple Mania for several different reasons. But before we dive into Triple Mania, I wanted to rewind to last Friday because you were there at the Globe Theater for the PWG 16 show, and it was highlighted by a, a trios match that has gotten unbelievable reviews. I know you've written about it as well. Uh, I just wanted just some of your live thoughts. Uh, for those unfamiliar, uh, Bandito, Flamita, and Ray Orus took on Puma King, Black Toros, and Laredo Kid. And this seems to be uh, the the match to track down uh, coming out of uh, last weekend and one of the top matches this year. Yeah, I was hesitant to say anything because I'm clearly biased when it comes to that match and those guys. But there were people who have been attending PWG for way longer than I have that just said one of the best matches in the history of the company. People saying easy five stars. I guess we'll find out tonight what Dave thought because Dave was there front row and he was gushing about it. It was just a fantastic black tourist making his debut in PWG stood out as like one of the breakout guys. And actually two days later or three days later, he was announced for Ebola. That match just, it just stole the show. I don't know what to say. It was an un unbelievable experience live just hearing and watching the crowd react to what they were seeing. I thought that uh, if you don't follow him, he's he's a must follow at Rob Viper. But you wrote uh, kind of th this great kind of reflection on the match, and I just think it's something that you can truly appreciate with it with a match like this. Is that it could have just you know two people are on just slightly different pages, different wavelengths. It can all come crashing down and be a disaster. But when everything is in sync, it just comes off so beautiful. And that's th that was the sense I got from this match. On Friday, not ha not seeing it, but clearly, I mean, that has been the consistent reaction from it, and that's that's kind of the margin of error, I think, especially for matches like this. It's it's so small. Yeah, for sure. I I have a lot of crazy ideas, and when they told me what they were going to do, even I was like, 
uh, maybe just tone it down slightly because they're so easy for this to go wrong or that to go wrong or this guy to be in the wrong place. And they pulled it off brilliantly. Like everything's flawless, not a single mistake. I just couldn't believe it, even watching it myself. I think a very good comparison for those who know would be the Dragon Gate six-man tag from ROH back in 2006. Were you at that show? I was not, but when I watched on video, that was one of the matches that, I mean, if I could rewind time or go in the time machine, I would go see that one live. I was at that show, and I, I was doing, um, I was at the Fight Network at the time, and we had gotten to the building at noon to do these profiles on several guys. We interviewed, like, Gabe, Samoa Joe, Daniels, and there was somebody else in there, and we were just shooting, like, these these kind of short little bio pieces on them. And then we stuck around for the show. So at this point, I had been in that building for probably nine hours, and then that happens. And it was just, <laughs> like, you're watching just something, and it's uh, – any any fatigue was easily erased when that match occurred. Uh, and, then, and then you had the main event that went, like, 55 minutes uh, after it. It was, it was quite the show to remember. I bet. Uh, just last qu- question on PWG as someone that's been, you know, that's been down to so many shows. How do you find, uh, has PWG successfully taken kind of the, the unique environment that they had from the American Legion post to the Globe Theater? Has it transferred well? I think so. I think at the first, it just took some getting used to with the, the regulars who had been to Rosita and now they have to get used to the Globe Theater. And I think that they, it's just now that they were more familiar with the place, plus they've changed it since the look of the first show. They've moved certain like seats around. The camera angles that they use are different. The lighting is different. They've got it all set now to where it really does feel like home. And the crowd was huge for that show. They uh, The GA was sold out. Sometimes people look at the tickets sold and think, oh, PWG's not selling out immediately like they used to back in Rosita. But nobody takes into account that Rosita held maybe about 350 packed mm-hmm. in there. And this place can hold, if every section was open, over a thousand. But the way it's set up, it can hold seven, seven fifty. So they may not be selling out like they used to, but they basically doubled their attendance for every show. Are you going to be going down to Bola in September, or is it going to be a decision based upon Super Dragon's involvement? Oh no, High Spots will be working that weekend, so I will be down there whether Super Dragon decides to show his face or not. Well, uh, that takes us into this weekend, and you know, as someone that has been following Lucha for as long as you have, Rob, I mean, one thing is that it's never been, to me, more accessible to follow wrestling anywhere in the world, and I think at the top is is Lucha at this point. The availability to watch Triple Mania Live, to be able to watch CMLL on Friday nights, and how have you kind of noticed the kind of viewing trends of just Lucha as a whole now that you have the technology where it's not waiting for tapes? It's it's essentially just right there on your screen now. Do you find that that's been a, a great benefit uh, to the same degree that we've seen in other parts of the world that are now getting more of a focus? Definitely. It's it's actually overwhelming at times because CMLL, they have four shows a week. AAA seems like they might take a week or two off, but then they'll come back with three or four shows at the same time on a weekend or in, in a six-day span. It's it's wild, the amount of footage that's out there. And it doesn't seem to affect the live the live audience either because people just flock to shows in Mexico City. There's countless shows every weekend. And it's just really nice that it's gone. And it's all free. That's the thing because in Mexico, it's really rare for people to pay to view things on the internet. There's no really on-demand services that people pay for in Mexico. And so you have to put it out for free. You really don't have a choice. 
there's there's several different angles to that make this triple mania pretty unique. Of course, you have the uh, Blue Demon Jr. versus Dr. Wagner, Mask versus Hair Match. The, the Elite are involved in this. And and then the wild card that is Cain Velasquez. What do you see as the key drawing element to this show? I mean, I would say it's a combination of Kane mm-hmm. and the Blue Demon versus Wagner, the Mask versus Hair Match. I think that... That's the match. If you had to pick one match, it'd be Damon versus Wagner. But Triple A is clearly pushing Kane as the top attraction. Just today, actually, they aired an open workout where all the television cameras were there watching him train with Psycho Clown. When he arrived at the airport, all the media was there. It's a really big deal that he's going to be there. And I'm curious to see if it's just a one-off or if they can actually move forward because he seems to enjoy this Lucha Libre thing. And he's talked about wanting to come back for New York and L.A. I find it amazing because if you had looked two years ago uh, among crossovers from MMA, I mean, Cain Velasquez would have been right near the bottom of my list. And it really seems like he has dove headfirst into this and seems to have a genuine passion to do this. And I think it would be a great coup for them if they could get him on that Madison Square Garden show where I feel he would mean a lot to uh, people that don't know anything about Lucha Libre, don't know anything about AAA, but here's the former UFC heavyweight champion in your top media market. I think that would be, I think it would be more valuable there than even on this show. Yeah, I would agree with you 100%. It actually really surprises me because I didn't even know this until somebody told me that he actually had a, I don't know if it was an official tryout, but he was definitely down in Florida for WWE. And it's kind of surprising that he would end up here in AAA when an option like that is out there for him. Yeah, I, from my understanding, like he went down there and it was kind of like a workout thing with like the guys down there, but like obviously the guys on their radar, there is the most obvious match in the world for them to promote that it's going to be very interesting to see. And the fact that he has a unique stipulation in his contract that he can do professional wrestling as well. How much, how much is MMA in his, uh, in his rear view mirror versus, uh, something that he's looking at at this point? I mean, he's, gone through so many injuries and i think if he really takes to this and it it could be his career path that he looks for something like this and i I have no doubt wwe is going to be paying attention to him how many dives do you think he's going to do on saturday oh man it's it's got to be maybe a 630 (laughs) what what is your what is what is kind of your expectation level for kane velasquez is it is it kind of reserved and see what we see here i mean guy's a great athlete that's a great starting point, and it seems that he's certainly not doing this for the wrong reasons. I mean, do you kind of have a elevated expectation level of what to expect here? Well, for two reasons. I actually have pretty high expectations because, number one, I've talked to two people he's been training with, and they say that he seems like a natural. He's picking everything up, and not only is he picking it up, he's enjoying it. That's great. And number two, yeah, and number two – I mean, we have a mystery wrestler on the other side, so that's always – you never know who that could be, and that could change how the match actually comes together. But based on who's side, that would be Black Taurus and Tejano Jr. You've got two guys who are complete professionals, are known in their career for making other guys look good. So I don't see any reason why if he decides – if he's good at this and they are willing to work with him, he could come off looking spectacular in this match. And I assume that the match is going to be based around him. Yeah, I do too. I think it's going to be one of like the the highlight portions of the show, because I think that there's going to be people going into this with low expectations and are going to be pleasantly surprised with what Kane does. And in the trivia note that this is taking place in the same arena 
where he lost his UFC heavyweight title back in 2015 to Fabricio Verdun. Maybe that's going to be our mystery partner. I don't know about that. I, uh, Kane, I've heard of him. Kane returning to elevation here. I mean, this is not sea level Kane. <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, you would know more about that than I would. The, the only thing that I've heard about the mystery partner is it could range from anybody from uh, Killer Cross to Ray Scorpion to even one thing that I'm hearing is it could be a CMLL guy, which would be surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that there's – yeah, the Killer Cross name has gone around. It'll be interesting to see because whenever you have the mystery partner, it's it's got to be someone of substance that's going to get that that big surprise pop. So yeah, someone from CMLL, totally viable as well. Um as we look at the mask versus hair match, uh, do, you, do you see any reason to believe that there would be uh, an unmasking in this particular match? Or is this as straightforward as it appears? And do you like this uh, particular match as, you know, the what will likely be the main event on this show? It's funny you ask that because I asked the exact same question when I was in Mexico City or Mexico in Tijuana on Saturday. And good reason to suspect that either result is possible. With Wagner losing, it would be obvious because he doesn't have much hair. He's actually wearing and they make no secret about this. Mm-hmm. I think today he posted a picture where he has dreadlocks that <laughs> came out of no came out of nowhere. So that would be why he would be the most obvious one to lose. But in Demon's case, he is not the son, he's not part of the Blue Demon family. So he is just using that name and he's had problems with the family. There has been well known. It's been well known that there has been a lawsuit filed. To st- Nobody's been following that because it's really hard to keep track of court cases in Mexico, unless somebody makes you aware of so- of something. For example, when Santo won his court case against AAA, we only knew about it because Santo made it clear, or Octagon when he made it clear. So it's possible that Demon could have lost the rights to the name, and this could be his farewell. I mean, it's a long shot, but. I wouldn't rule it out completely, which is why the main event could go either way, if you ask me. Yeah, I think that adds a um, certain level of intrigue to that match, um, the the chance that you could get uh, a different outcome to it. And it would certainly be something very newsworthy coming out of this show, which I, I feel AAA definitely wants at the end of this show is to set up a number of, of different key stories going into the garden and setting up their fall because – I think that's yes, this is their big show of the year, Rob, but also this is kind of the the launching pad to send you towards the New York show in September that, you know, has not been an overwhelming success thus far since tickets have gone on sale and it's a big show for them. I mean, I would hope so. I hope what you're saying is true, but AAA <laughs> has been known they've been known in the past to just not follow up on things or just very poor promotion. Like they haven't even been promoting this New York show, so I'm just hoping that they're willing, waiting to get past this Triple Mania show to start promoting the New York show. And yes, it would be logical to build something coming out of this. But with AAA, it's always a wait-and-see approach. Um, another match here, we have Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks taking on Laredo Kid, Pentagon Jr., and Ray Phoenix. And I guess as you look at this um, six months down the line, 12 months down the line, especially when AEW gets onto TNT, what you see their relationship being with AAA um, and if you see this being a long-term relationship between these two groups at the same time that AAA is trying to get into the U.S. market. I believe it will be. I believe as long as the it's beneficial for both groups. And right now it's clear that AEW is clearly the – they're the ones controlling things. If they need a certain angle shot, AAA does it. If they need certain guys to go over, AEW is the one who basically calls the shots. 
And it works out for them because AAA has all the talent under contract that they can send over there, which, you know, is needed because it's not like AEW has the doors open to work with CMLL, for example, New Japan. Long term, I mean, we'll see what happens. Speculate that the reason this is happening is because some guys are still under Lucha Underground contract. And we're getting to the point now where Lucha Underground contracts would be reaching the point that they would be null and void if nothing happens with them around until October. Has Lucha Underground, from those that, that you have heard from, and you don't have to be specific here, but if you can just give a sense of the headaches that those Lucha Underground contracts have provided for so many performers that, you know, for many, it was a great launching pad. I think it helped a lot of people in that first season, but the term attached to those contracts has just been an albatross on so many performers that, I mean, it's it's still ongoing. It is. I mean, if you go back to the beginning of Lucha Underground, I mean, I'm sure when Phoenix, Penta, and those guys signed their contracts, they couldn't even believe it. Their first ever U.S. contracts, real money, a real TV show. Nobody could have imagined how they would have exploded coming off that show. And th- those contracts being seven years in length for, them, for most guys, I mean, they were bound – Something was bound to happen where we were going to be in a situation like this. And I guess the best example of this would be a guy like Willie Mack, who thought he was free and clear. Turns out he wasn't free and clear, and it ended up costing him where he was working at the time to the point that just using his Mexico work, for example, he was working with the crash in Tijuana. And because of the Lucha Underground contract, AAA ended up putting pressure on him. So he had to leave the crash, and now he works for the local AAA group in Tijuana, as well as he's booked on a AAA TV taping post-Triple Mania in August, which is basically working off the dates that he still has due to that Lucha Underground contract. One of my favorite games, Rob, is playing What If, and you go back to 2014, and can you imagine the Young Bucks signing those contracts at that time when, you know, you think about it now, it would have been crazy for them to sign seven-year deals, but... Five years ago, like the Bucks were not the Bucks of today. Like they were certainly emerging as like this hot act. But at that time, being offered seven year deals, being on television, I mean, just think of the the landscape had they been locked into those deals and been in similar situations. It would have been monumental. Everything would have changed. Luckily for us, Lucha Underground wasn't even offering them the rate they were charging as independent wrestlers at the time. No. I I, I believe it was an embarrassing amount they offered. I want to say something like 250 per match each, which at the time, I mean, they were making way more than that on their own, working everywhere they were. So I'm not even sure if the offer was serious in the first place or if they were just making it just for the fact that to say that they made an offer. I would say today, like for, for anyone in those like positions, like you just look at how, how fast the wrestling move, the wrestling business moves and evolves on, you know, a weekly basis that, the last thing you want to do, unless the money is just so ungodly incredible, uh, locking yourself into a long-term deal, it just seems like it's such a handicap because I think your value is going to grow exponentially and doesn't even have to necessarily necessitate you becoming like such a better performer over that time period. It's just your demand is going to be increasing so valuably. You, you want to be able to get onto that free agent market. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. Uh, also on this card, we've got... Uh, Seven-woman tables, ladders, and chairs match for the Reina de Reinas Championship with Kara defending against Lady Shanai, Tessa Blanchard, Fabia Pachi, Taya, Chick Tormenta, and La Hiedra. Uh, just tell us a bit about um, some of the females that maybe some listeners are not as familiar with uh, here and kind of what you expect out of the style of match from these seven. 
Sure, I expect this to be a disaster, <laughs> and I'm just being honest. This this is definitely going to be the train wreck of the show. They have never done a women's TLC match before. Uh, the other problem that we have going into this match is Kayra, the champion, has not wrestled in about three weeks because she messed up her knee in a show in Tijuana. So she is going in injured into a TLC match. You've got Tessa, who I believe is actually working Impact on Friday, flying to do the show in Mexico City, and then flying right back to do another Impact show on Sunday. So I can't imagine that she's going to be out there killing herself. Uh, Taya will be good. Chica Tormenta, Chica Tormenta is, uh, has done hardcore matches in the past. She's one of the guys, one of the, sorry, one of the women that Conan is really high on. And she works a lot with men. So it's actually rare to see her working with women. La Hedra is very strange that she's participating in this match because she is often used just as a second to stand at ringside in more of a managerial type role. I'm curious to see what she can actually bring to this match. Fabia Pache would be the veteran who's been around in AAA the longest out of anybody. And she's actually currently in a feud with one of the referees in AAA. So I wonder if he may play a part in this. And then you've got Lady Shani, who is the former champion and might be the odds on favorite to win back her title, depending on if Kayra's knee injury is more severe than she's letting on. And uh, in terms of, of the undercard makeup, it seems like you have like a, a pretty good exposure to a lot of their underneath talent and some phenomenal guys here as well. Uh, I think El Hio Del Vikingo is coming off that unbelievable match that I think his stock is probably at a pretty high point now. This isn't the most uh, prominent spot on the show, but I think that he certainly is in kind of one of those standout roles, uh, at least on the undercard, if you're sampling for the first time, which I think many will be probably checking out this show and getting exposed to some of these performers for the first time. Yeah, the Vikingo match is one I'm really looking forward to because what had happened is it was him, Mysticis Jr., and Loretto Kid, the trios champions, but AAA decided to elevate Loretto Kid, and what they did is they did a skit on TV where Loretto Kid gave up his spot in the team to Golden Magic, and they gave up the titles too. So they, so Golden Magic, way trios match, where I'm guessing that the only purpose of that match is just to have them in their first major appearance as a team, right. just go out there and just absolutely tear the roof off the place. They've got good opponents who are going to make them look good. I am really excited. Especially, you're going to have a lot of faces, people tuning in who don't watch to play regularly because they want to see Omega and the Bucks, who are going to be keep their eyes on Vikingo just because he's got so much buzz going on about him now. Now, for those that are, are tuning in, uh, what can you tell us about the the English commentary tandem uh, that we will be having on, on Saturday night and any fair warning ahead of time? Well, what are you referring to? <laughs> <laughs> We've got Matt Stryker and Vampiro, which if you've never heard them call uh, AAA before, it's an experience. That's how I'll, uh, I'll, be, I'll be kind to it. It's, it's an experience for five plus hours. Well, I, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news or good news, depending on how you look at this, but I have gotten it confirmed that that will actually not be the English announced team. Oh, that will Thankfully, not. that will not be the English announced team. No, there is somebody coming in. They are actually bringing somebody who is studying up as we as we speak and will be doing the English commentary. I think Stryker will still be there and he'll be working with Stryker, but Vampiro is not going to be doing the commentary on this show. So... This is actually the first show where I'm super intrigued to see how it comes off because 
I think AAA is starting to realize that if they're serious about this, they need to actually do go the the route of Dragon Gate, who just brought in Larry Dallas and Ian, and they did a fantastic job on the last show. Yeah, if you missed that Dragon Gate show, it was uh, yeah, Rich Bocchini and Larry Dallas, and I thought those two. They did a tremendous job. Like, it was clear, like, Rich Bocchini just did, like, a crash course on Dragon Gate. I thought he was very good. Larry Dallas knew all the characters, got the stories across. I think that's what you want on a show like this. And Matt Stryker, I, I think that he, he does get a lot of criticism. I think when paired with the right person, I, I think that he he comes off better. I think him and Vampiro kind of bring out the worst in each other. Oh, no, absolutely. I, I think Stryker... His problem is just he gets sucked into the act that Vampiro does. So yes. when Vampiro goes off the rail, Stryker is right behind him. But hopefully this time he's going to have a partner who's actually going to be the straight guy. And then Stryker is perfectly good tossing in. He's got a lot of knowledge. And he seems to love when he watches AAA. So I'm hoping this works out. And I'm hoping that going forward, they stick to they're not, this is not going to be a one-off. Because I really think that one of the hindrances to AAA, AAA's expansion has been the fact that you either get Stryker and Vampiro, who are a mess together, or on all their regular TV tapings, they use two guys and work for this YouTube channel called Mas Lucha, who they know what they're calling, but they are not comfortable speaking English. And you can clearly see they're thinking of the words as they're saying it, so they can't convey the emotion while they're trying to get the words right. Uh any final thoughts on anything of the undercard? Any kind of uh, sleeper performers to, to look out for? I mean, I'm kind of like gearing this towards people that might be tuning in for the first time. Uh, it seems like, again, I think that you, you're going to get a slice of so many different elements on this show that it's going to give you a pretty well-rounded view of the AAA product in 2019. Well, one thing I would definitely say is hopefully there's going to be a pre-show. The actual show starts uh, eight o'clock in Mexico City, which is nine Eastern, six Pacific. But I would tune in at least an hour early because there's going to be a pre-show. And AAA has not announced a pre-show match. Privately, I've been able to confirm there is going to be a pre-show match. I don't know if it'll air on the pre-show stream, but if it does, that's going to be a match you're not going to want to miss because it's going to feature a lot of young up-and-coming talent. Uh, I would also say the opener of the actual Triple Mania show is going to be a mixed match where a man teams with a woman for the, they have the mixed titles. So right now the champions are Nino Hamburguesa, the hamburger kid and big mommy. Her name is kind of self-explanatory. And a lot of people who have been tuning into AAA on and off seem to love that pairing. They're definitely in the, the longest running storyline in AAA right now where Nino Hamburguesa has been kind of getting played by Lady Maravilla, who's on one of the other teams and lately, he's been starting to see through the fact that she's just messing with him and has no interest in him and is just using him to try to get those titles. So I'm presuming in this opener, in this opening four-way match, we're going to have some sort of advancement in the storyline where either he's, for, he's actually going to turn on Big Mommy and go with Lady Maravilla, or he's finally going to put an end to her playing with him and maybe put an end to their relationship for good. And Lady Maravilla's partner in this match is actually Viano 3 Jr., the legitimate son of the original Viano 3 who is a fantastic worker that nobody talks about because the AAA roster depth when it comes to young guys is insanely great. But he's definitely a guy you've got to watch out for. He will do stuff that will make you question, is this guy sane or not? That's a, the, You've sold me uh, on this particular match, Rob. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to watching this on, on Saturday night. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. Do you, do you watch with the English commentary or do you go with the Spanish commentary? 
for this one, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to watch in English just because I want to see how it goes with the new person they're bringing in. But normally, I would watch Spanish just because, I mean, I understand Spanish, so it's fine. But also, the audio is always better. Although, in this case, the guys there are going to be live, so I wouldn't worry about any audio difference. I would say if you don't know Spanish, give it a shot in English. I wouldn't be afraid this time, now that we know that the commentary is going to be improved upon. <laughs> don't be afraid. That can be the, uh, don't the, be afraid. the slogan yes. on Twitch. Uh, final yes. thing be, before we let you go, Rob. You know, in uh, Recently, you know, two huge passings in Lucha Libre with Paco Alonso, the, the longtime owner of CMLL, and Pero Aguayo as well. I mean, this is uh, you know, two, two heavyweights within the, the history of Lucha Libre. On the passing of Paco Alonso, how do you view that? that kind of transfer of power down to Sofia Alonso. Do you see any wholesale changes to CMLL or largely this is going to be just a transfer of the traditional product and you're not going to expect too many changes to how CMLL has traditionally presented itself? I think it's more of a wait and see approach because the people who are employed in CMLL have been around for so long. They're basically all old men and It'll be interesting to see who Sophia Alonso listens to, because if she wants to make actual changes and put her own stamp on the actual company, you would think that she would not be listening to those guys because those guys just want everything to go the same that they've been going basically for the past 30 to 40 years, for however long they've been involved specifically with Arena Mexico. Uh, I do know that she has ideas in mind. We've already seen some of those ideas come to fruition. I think in... Two weeks on August 16th, we're going to see the first major thing to be associated with her because they're in the, they're starting a women's tournament on August 2nd that's going to have two blocks. And I'm pretty sure that August 16th, we are going to see the first ever women's main event at Arena Mexico. So kind of mirrors what's going on in WWE where Stephanie tries to take credit for the women's revolution and everything. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious to see where Sofia goes because she's actually a fan of Lucha Libre. She goes to shows. Uh, it's no secret that she's actually involved with one of the wrestlers themselves, mm -hmm. which always, which always, you know, you have to mention that because it leads to problems. And it is one of the things that people are talking about because Paco Lanza was not involved with any of the – Paco Lanza was very hands-off. And Sophia is saying she's going to be the opposite, very hands-on. Now, for a company as serious and stable, that's their motto, CMLL you wonder how a more hands-on approach will actually end up affecting the day-to-day -day process. But CMLL generally runs itself, which is why Paco could be hands-off. So maybe Sophia eventually will realize this and end up going the same way as her father was. Yeah, I, th I think it's one of those more uh, intriguing stories this year that d doesn't get as much coverage. Like, obviously, Paco Alonso dying was a huge story, but Sophia Alonso, mm -hmm. the fact that she was much younger than I assumed she was. I mean, this is someone who yeah. is... Um, is she, is, is, mid twenties? Is that right? Like late twenties? I believe, I believe t she turned twenty eight this year. Twenty eight, and she is now running yeah. the the top company in Mexico. And you know, as someone as you just say, state that she's a fan of Lucha Libre, mm -hmm. that tells me that's someone that has their own ideas in place and may have different philosophies. And being attached to a company like CMLL. I think you can take a lot of chances when you have so much guaranteed revenue that they do that if someone wants to experiment, that I, I don't know, maybe it's not assuming the same kind of risk that another company that lives week to week based on the gate would be. So I think it's really intriguing to see 12 months from now, what does the makeup of CMLL consist of under her leadership? 
Oh, for sure. I mean, CMLL, people don't even realize how lucky they have it sometimes. They could open Arena Mexico, and as long as they get 300 fans in there, let's say minimum, and this is a place that holds over 16,000, they're making money. That's how crazy it is. So she can, if she wanted to, she could change things like crazy. And again, you know, the fact, not only the fact that she's 28, the fact that she's a she in a country where there are many women are in powerful positions like she is. Uh, before we go, I, I said last question, but this is my real uh, last question. Tom- uh, next week, it is utter insanity here in the city of Toronto, our hometown, as not just the WWE is coming in here for four shows and four nights, but uh, tons of independent shows going on. Uh, w- what's just your, your thought on, you know, here in our backyard, seeing all of this come to town? And you and I are like young enough, but we remember when, man, indie shows were pretty hard to come by in the in this part of the country where uh you know you had your your awfs you had like you know your your groups but nothing like this and this is kind of at a time when toronto independent wrestling like there there are shows every single weekend and this is kind of the culmination of that with all these different shows that are running in the span of seven nights yeah we've certainly come a long way from hoping that the majin brothers decide to put a show together and feature some actual old 80s WWF names. They, it's crazy. I I don't even know what I'm going to do next week because you've got shows from Wednesday all the way to Tuesday if you're interested in WWE, but it's it's a little overkill in my mind. I hope everybody does well, but I feel like it's going with this. It is, it is, and I'm a little worried too because, I mean, I, I see what the intention is. You want it to be basically WrestleMania weekend, but you want to do it for SummerSlam. But I think a lot of people need to realize that WrestleMania weekend, WrestleMania is in a place that holds about over 60,000 and the Air Canada Center does not hold that. So I don't know if there's enough fans to support all these shows that are overlapping. And also the fact that, you know, you're starting to run on Wednesday, these shows. I don't know if a flying crowd is coming Wednesday, maybe Friday, but those Wednesday, Thursday shows. I mean, I'm excited because I, I just need to go downtown. I can take the TTC in 10 minutes and be there, but we'll see what happens. Are you hearing from a, a lot of people in like your circles that are traveling up to Toronto or is it kind of daunting, you know, crossing a border to come to Canada for a weekend? To be honest, I haven't. I, I was asking around at PWG and I actually heard more people saying they were actually going down to see Triple Mania this weekend than they were coming to Toronto. But again, that's a that's an audience that wouldn't be attracted to travel to go see WWE. Right. Uh, well, Rob, I want to thank you so much uh, for coming on. It's always great to uh, to pick your brain about uh, all things uh, professional wrestling, but uh, especially Lucha Libre. Uh, you can follow him at Rob Viper on Twitter. I think a must follow if you are out there in the wrestling world. And anything you'd like to promote? I know you recently did a, a great sit down interview uh, with Conan for High Spots. Uh, anything you'd like to plug? I mean, oh, yeah, check that interview out. We're going to do a whole bunch with everybody who's coming to Bola Weekend, more of the Mexican talent that's going to be there. Look for a WrestleCon announcement very soon for next year in Tampa. Excellent stuff. Well, thank you so much, Rob. And we will be having coverage of Triple Mania this weekend. Check it out at postwrestling.com. And that is it. Thank you for listening.